Radiodrome. And it's Radiodrome, 55 minutes, Josh, Brad, blah, blah, blah. I'm still sick, so I'm not in the mood to go through it the whole sounds, spiel. It sounds like your passion is gone. My passion all wound up into the toilet. <laughs> and not not the way you were th- not the way you're thinking either. I, I had the flu, so it all came out orally. Let's put it that I way. Had, I had the flu too, man. Yeah, that's why I was gone for an extra week than I in, had intended. For I for me, the worst of it usually comes and goes within like a day, and then afterwards, I'm sort of left with the after effects for like a week or so. Meaning, like my voice being not altogether there, or slight runny nose or even like right now my uh ear is still like a little clogged is it that way for you no see to me it's a it's a general everything hits all at once there's the stomach the head everything happens all at once and like right now because i had a really interesting week okay yeah i had the flu Uh so that all the throwing up dehydrated me well the doctor told me no soda because soda will dehydrate you further. So just sports, yeah. sports drinks, and water. Hey, you well, need to stop putting salt in your Mountain Dew. Exactly. So <laughs> it turns out I have been drinking soda so much for so long. Yeah. I have become addicted to caffeine. Mm-hmm. Four days cold turkey of no soda sent my body into shock. Yeah. I was actually detoxing out of caffeine. Oh. The doctor actually told me he's never recommended this before, but I need to drink a Mountain Dew to get myself back to even. Yeah. And I'm... Like one or like one a day or one every other day? Well, because I hadn't had any for four days. Once I drank a can of Mountain Dew, my headache almost magically went away. Nice. And up to that point, I had taken... I'd taken more aspirin in the last week than I have in all of 2011. Oh, man. And a can of Mountain Dew solved all that. Literally what it felt like, not so much scanners, but it felt like my brain was trying to escape my skull. Yeah. Like it was trying to break out of my skull. <laughs> and it, I don't recommend this feeling to anybody. I mean, now I understand when people detox out of stuff, I know what you're going through. Because for one thing, one of the weirdest side effects is the dreams. Oh, sure. Lucid dreams. And scary dreams. Yeah. Some of the scariest, most realistic dreams you can ever imagine. Because they... You had knives for fingers. Well, because the way the doctor explained it to me is basically your body gets so used to, in this case, Mountain Dew, that it starts to think of that as a bodily fluid. So now when it doesn't have it, the brain starts panicking that it doesn't have a necessary fluid. And that's a really creepy feeling. Oh, weird. Like, I I, I was mentioning this to you off air. I, I've never, I don't think I ever really had anything like that happen. I, I remember about 10 years ago, me and a buddy ordered like a, a, a 30 pack or something like that of Jolt online. And we both went through it within like a week or something like that. So once that was gone, it was sort of like that. I mean, it was sort of like our, you know, someone busted, someone busted in and took our heroin overnight, and now we're left to watch babies crawl on the ceiling. Exactly. I mean, it. The really weird thing is, it's hard to describe if you haven't gone through this. Yeah. Cracked.com did an article a couple of years ago about detoxing out of alcohol, 
I went yeah. through every one of those steps. <laughs> and keep in mind, I don't drink alcohol. Sure. And I went through every one of the steps. It's it was a, a feeling I don't recommend on anybody. I need I need I need to look at that list because because uh, I used to be a really big drinker and uh, I might have gone through something like that and just can't remember. I need to look at that list <laughs> or just wasn't aware that I was going through it. Well, one of the worst things I think have you ever been sleep deprived? I mean, like truly sleep deprived? Yeah. Uh huh. You know how horrible that feeling is. Yeah. Now imagine that for four days straight. Oh yeah, yeah. It sucks. Because as soon as you try you're constantly tired, but as soon as you try to fall asleep, your brain starts remembering every video game you've ever played, every poem yeah. you've ever read, every book you've ever read, every movie you've ever seen, and yeah. you can't your your brain doesn't actually shut down during sleep. It's actually running on all pistons, which is just a horrible yeah. feeling that you're you're getting enough sleep to not die, but yeah. not to make the pain go away. So it, I have not had a fun week, people. Uh, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> and, and right now, I was uh, I was going to complain that I had a terrible week just because I watched Night of Horror. <laughs> yeah, I saw that Night of Horror. I think I might have found uh, my show's equivalent of Monster a Go Go. <laughs> you, you think that's what Night of Horror is? The uh, all the and I I knew this was going to be the uh, when I watched the movie I I knew exactly what a lot of the feedback was going to be on the episode because while I certainly got while I, I certainly could could take enough notes off of it I could certainly joke about some stuff in the movie it wasn't like I was sitting there like uh, I have nothing to write down I knew it was going to be the one the one that was like uh, this movie is so bad that it actually makes watching the review hard to through. <laughs> Well, I mean, I thought the review was funny personally, but I like I like it too. But I knew some people would have uh, that sort of reaction, and some of them have. <laughs> well, I, the one I thought was really funny, and I'm not saying that just because you're my partner on this was your "Don't talk to strangers," Winnie the Pooh one. Oh, you like that one? Oh, thanks. I thought I thought that was hilarious. Some of it because the jokes were just built right into the special itself. Yeah. And others, you just you took such a strange way of looking at these things in such a modern perspective from what was it eighty five that was made, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, the whole stranger danger thing has changed so much. Do you remember seeing that Winnie the Pooh one? I it was vaguely familiar, so I probably caught it at some point. Because in eighty five, I, I would have been ten. I don't know yeah. if I saw it then or not. I remember the live-action Winnie the Pooh show. I remember seeing that. I especially remember watching, like, Dumbo's Circus. I remember all that, but I, I don't... If I saw that too, uh, uh, too Smart for Strangers thing, I, I don't remember it. The ones that I remember <laughs> the most were the uh, live-action uh, costumed uh, McGruff, uh, McGruff videos. See, I only remember those in those little quick, you know, commercial ones for like a minute and a half or something. Did they have longer ones of those? They did, because I remember us watching them about, uh, uh, they get uh, this, there was one where, I wish I could find this, because I would like to spotlight this on an episode of that show. It was McGruff and a bunch of little kids, and they're like, oh, we need to do like a music video or something to warn kids to stay away from drugs. So they get this popular, like, pop singer, popular English, because this wasn't, I don't think this was a real person, um, this real, like, kind of, 
Pat Benatar, Kim Wilde looking chick who like does a music video for him like on the spot. <laughs> like McGruff, McGruff, we made the music video. Like, oh, let's see it. They put it. I don't know why he's acting surprised. He was in the video. <laughs> well, he's supposed to be a detective dog, I guess. True. <laughs> I guess. Uh, a very lousy detective. He didn't even know he was in this music video. Well, come uh, on, come, look at McGruff's eyes. You tell me he's not experimenting with something Narco gave him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that one I would love to I would love to find I would love to find that one. <laughs> See well the only thing that at first pissed me off about your new show. I really thought you were going to do it in the pirate accent oh, costume. No. I really, I, I got really afraid at first. I'm like, oh, Brad, really? <laughs> and then when you're like, no, I can't <laughs> do this. This is funny because I'm totally, I am totally picturing you with the computer like, oh, Brad, oh, oh, honey, no. <laughs> like, like, Brad, we need to talk. <laughs> Brad, you're going crazy. All right, Brad, you've taken this character thing a little too far. No, how that came, how that joke came about is we're on set for the uh, for the third anniversary movie, and Ed and I, Ed Glazer and I are, sit, are sitting there talking, and I said I want to do this new show where I, I spotlight a lot of the DVDRs I have that they don't really fit into any other show that I do. Um, so I kind of want to do that, but I want to do it as myself. I just want to do it as myself, you know, like I did that Universal Soldier video and that uh, Manimal video. I want something to just, and I said, I was like, I want to do it as myself as opposed to like, oh, I'm Bootlegger Bill, the DVD pirate, you know. That was just what I, at the top of my head. And really, to do it, to actually have that be the opening joke was kind of Ed's idea because he goes, "No, no, what you need to do is you need to start out as that character, and then be like, no, no, I, I can't, I can't do this, I can't do this." <laughs> so I did. Idea. I got that shirt that I wore as uh, Zalman and Hooker with the Heart of Gold, and also the eye patch that I wore, and did this makeshift pirate costume <laughs> and really bad accent. Yeah, Arr, I bootlegger Bill. <laughs> See, I I was thinking about doing something not bootlegger Bill, but I was gonna go around and have a camera follow me around as I'm hunting VHSs. Yeah. At videos, you know, like Goodwills and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But do it like it was a nature documentary. My name would be VHS Hunter, and, and you go <laughs> like the VHSs are hanging out by the bad audio books, and you know, just do it like one of those old uh, PBS nature documentaries. Yeah. I just started thinking this is going to get real old real fast. <laughs> it would be good for like a. It might be good for like a one, a one shot kind of or something. I mean, I, I I could actually kind of picture that working um, much better than Bootlegger Bill. Well, and bootlegger then Bill's never bootlegger. That's a one that's never coming back. That's not. You're not going to see an '80s Dan bootlegger bill thing coming like six months from now. Bootlegger bill's never coming back. Good. Well, <laughs> and then uh, on the same thing, I've got a lot of stuff I've got to send you. I've already sent you some of the stuff that will fit great into that category, like that how to win at Nintendo thing. Yeah, that would be great. That'll fit in that. I just recently got the, and this is the actual title, How to Break into Heavy Metal Without Getting Screwed. <laughs> From like eighty eight or eighty nine. I've got I've got hang on, let me reach over and, and try to grab it. 
What do you got there, boy? As well, it's called. uh, (coughs) Here it is. It's called uh, Rock. It's your decision. A stirring portrayal of teenage conflicts over music. Wow. Wow. Right. Yeah. I I also have some of those uh, Christian anti-Halloween documentaries from the late '80s and early '90s. Oh man, I think that I think. Uh, like one of those, like I'll bet you I could pull some comedy out of that, but just watching it would piss me off. Well, see, obviously you're not seeing it, but on the Lost in the Static Halloween last year, Scott and I completely dissected one of those, and, and we, we had a whole bunch of audio clips from it and whatnot, and we just called bullshit on all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, completely. Because there was no way I couldn't, and I, I've just I've got a whole bunch of those things. Where I was thinking about doing uh, like uh, spoony style riff tracks and putting a bunch of those things up. Uh, yeah, that that was one direction that I sort of considered going uh, with. Like I briefly considered going that way with like some of these stuff, like the Too Smart for Strangers. But I, it, I didn't. I ultimately just, like doing the riff tracks things. I, I like doing every once in a while, and this is something that I'd want to do for. I'd want to do longer than that. Well, uh, Scott and I are going to be doing one. Uh, have you ever seen Future Shock, the Orson Welles documentary from 72? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott and I are going to do a riff tracks on that. Nice. That thing, there are so many built-in jokes. Yeah. And then me being a big Orson Welles fan, I get a lot of cool Orson Welles references. Our only problem is Scott and I have two totally different styles. I like to go off-the-cuff ad-lib. And Scott yeah. likes to be scripted so you know what joke is coming. Uh-huh. I cannot work off a script. I'm a horrible off of a script. Or to work off of a script. Actually sitting there and riffing something, sometimes I'm sometimes I can be pretty good and sometimes I, I really don't say all that much. It, it sort of all it, it, it sort of just depends. But actually like ad libbing and, and coming up with stuff off the top of my head, uh I'm not bad at it, uh, but I don't enjoy it all that much. I, I, I do much prefer being scripted. When it's something like uh a riff or uh even even like uh me as one of my characters or something, you know, I I, I would be much more comfortable being scripted than just than just being in some ad-libbed episode of something. See, to me, like anyone that, uh, plug, plug, my website, 1201beyond.blogspot.com, you can see some of, like, the old Halloween specials I did and some of the early midnights. All that stuff's ad-libbed. I cannot work off of a script. You can tell the one that I have to work off of a script where I'm doing the Bill O'Reilly rant, and you can see how much, I mean, I'm not a great actor to begin with, but you can see how much more stiff my performance is. When well, I'm I, not ad-libbing it. Well, it kind of. De- I, I guess it sort of depends. Like if if um um, like right now, obviously this isn't scri- obviously this isn't scripted. Like stuff like this, what we're doing right now, you know, that's I have, I like doing that. Like that's that's fun. That's a lot of fun for me. That's fine. Or if it is something like two guys just sitting there talking back and forth about a movie or something. And you know that kind of video log review or something like that. That's fine. I have no problem with that. In fact, I would prefer that to be, in the sense of like a video log or something like that, be just sort of off the cuff. But something that is more like a uh, a sketch, something that's like a sketch or 
kind of comedy routine, I'm more comfortable being scripted. Well, yeah, because we found out. I mean, I've got a, I've got the outtakes somewhere. We've got all yeah. these outtakes from midnight, and this is the problem with being ad libbed. When either Joe or I would say something that the other was totally not expecting, we'd just start laughing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and you totally blow a two-minute take because yeah. because I'll throw out a reference that Joe just never saw coming, and he just cannot stay in character. Yeah, and you know it, that would happen. There was one in in one of the promos that we did for the show where I slap him. Mm-hmm. There's one where the bastard ducked, and I totally missed him, and I just lost it. I just oh, couldn't stay no. in character when he decided to duck on me. And it yeah. was just, you know, we blew the whole take because, I mean, it would have been blown anyway, but I just could not keep a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> and the problem with, sometimes the problem with that stuff is the things, it, I admit, it's a lot funnier when you're on the set than when you're watching the video later, but, you know, yeah. screw you, it was fun when it happened. So have you, uh, I, I haven't talked to you in a few weeks, uh, did you get a chance to go see Scream 4? I have no desire to scream to see Scriforum. Scriforum? Yes, yeah. I will not see Scriforum. Just like I will not see Thor. I you know, let's put it this way: I will watch the Mighty Thor on Sci-Fi before oh, I will watch yeah. Thor. I'm looking forward to that. I've actually I, I'm seeing I'm seeing Thor in like 90 minutes for the for the site. Um, well, see what you got to remember. Actually, it's not that bad. I mean, well, I that could couldn't mean that could mean anything, but. The reviews for it so far aren't airbender bad. <laughs> Still. But see, you got to remember something about me. Yeah. Un- unemployed. I cannot sure. afford to go to the movies. You can't afford to go see Scraform? No. I-, I mean, I think the last thing I saw was Machete. Yeah. was the last thing I actually went to the theater to see. And then before that, it would have been Predators. It's basically something that I just really, really do not want to have to wait for video. Or Torrent. Yeah. Well, like, um, man, <laughs> well, you, I think, uh, I think you got the better end of the deal on that because I did go see Scraform in the theater, and it was so bad it made me miss the other three, and I hate the other three. Are you gonna actually swallow your pride and go see Dark of the Moon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I'll have to because I go, I go see something about every weekend, you know, uh, and. Sometimes it's something that I don't particularly want to see, and that one will be the <laughs> that one will be the case. I'll have to go see uh, Dark of the Moon when that comes out. You see, mm-hmm. I, I I saw a lot when I worked in the movie theater. I saw a lot of movies I would have never sat through even on cable. But you're yeah. you're at the theater. There's nothing else going on. Yeah, I'll watch Blue Crush. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I mean literally. No, I actually like this movie, but Signs, yeah. I watched that movie so many times. Even when I see it on cable or my DVD, I know exactly where the layer breaks were, where we had to put the splices. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Because I saw that I saw movie that. hundreds and hundreds of times in the theater. Yeah. I liked, I liked Signs. I did, too. I mean, it has major plot problems when you think about it, but... See, Signs did something that, being the curmudgeon, and I mean, I'm sure you're in this situation too. You watch so many horror movies, you're so jaded. That movie made me jump at least three times, legitimate jumps. I jumped in that movie, yeah. I mean, th- there was the the leg in the cornfield. 
There was the silhouette of the monster on the ceiling after the, uh, there's a monster outside my room, can I have a glass of water? Yeah. And then there was the reflection in the TV. The reflection, and uh, when Joaquin Phoenix is watching the video of the uh, the kids, and oh, you see Oh, down it, in Mexico, like, yeah. Yeah, that made me jump. Uh, see, the one that the, got me the most, I mean, the one that literally made me almost jump out of my seat, was the reflection in the TV. That, when yeah, you think when me. you think the movie's over, that just that got me so hard. I'll st- I'll you know I mean now nowadays uh, a lot of people I'll, when it, when it comes to his movies you know his last few have been so bad to where Jelly Side Down Jelly Side Down uh, his last few have been so bad that even when some of his earlier stuff is kind of brought up. A lot of people nowadays just kind of brush it off, but I, I still I like Signs. I'll still admit that I liked the movie. I really loved uh, Unbreakable. Um, See, uh, that's where I'll fight you. I thought Unbreakable was unwatchable. No, no, I, I actually thought Unbreakable was his best movie. Yeah, see, I, I got to go Signs on that. Not to turn this whole thing into a Shyamalan thing, but just what happens in your career that you go that hard that you fall that hard that fast. I mean, I, w- did you use all your talent in the first three films and then had nowhere left to go? Or do you still really think you're doing Sixth Sense quality movies with, uh, w- what was the elevator one? D- Devil. Devil. You know, do with you, Devil. Yeah, do you really uh, think you're still doing the same quality of film? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, you could chalk it up to an ego thing. The guy does have a massive ego, but I mean, really, to be honest, how could you not? You do the Sixth Sense, and people are already calling you the next Hitchcock. You do, you know, Signs was very well reviewed when that came out. Uh, you do these movies, and people are already starting to put you in a league of of a Spielberg. I mean, how could you not have an ego at that at that point? So. I think he. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, but if I was to take a guess, he would just he just started coming up with these bizarre stories and thought people will still eat this up, man, and and no one will freaking tell him that it's a bad idea. No one will tell him no, and they tried telling him no on Lady in the Water, but he just went to another company and made the movie with somebody else, and it was a stupid movie. Well, you have the same thing in a way with like Michael Bay. Does nobody tell him that? people get sick during his movies because of the edits every single four frames? Yeah. H- has nobody told him this is not the way a professional cuts a movie? Because, I mean, if you think yeah. about it, Michael Bay is not that bad of a filmmaker. If the guy was just a DP, I think I think he'd be a great DP. The guy knows yeah. how to set up beautiful angles, great rolling camera shots, but the guy also doesn't know how to direct actors, doesn't know how to um, control his editor doesn't know how to pick a good script and has yeah. one of the biggest dumbest egos you can f- imagine out there. Yeah, him and Tyler Perry. <laughs> oh, don't even start on the Medea thing. <laughs> At least Tyler Perry's not Tracy Morgan. I actually hate Tracy Morgan more. Oh man, I can at least you know what I might. It's weird because I think that. Tyler Perry's movies are worse, but when you actually see Tyler Perry in interviews, I mean, when he's not being a raging egomaniac, if you just see him like a casual kind of interview, you know, 
he's he's not as intolerable as Tracy Morgan. But see, I actually was accused of racism for not finding Tracy Morgan funny. Apparently, everyone on the planet finds him so funny that to n- for a white person to not find him funny means, oh, you don't like blacks. No, I I, I actually that's had not the case had, at all. I actually he's, had a accused of that, and I kind of told him he's not funny. And you know what? To prove I'm not racist when it comes to actors, you know who one of my favorite actors is? Avery Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Avery Brooks also I, I, isn't trying to be funny most times. Yeah, I, I uh, that's I, I'm I'm pretty much it, it, what Spoonie said about Tracy Morgan when he talked briefly about uh, Cop Out. That's pretty remember. much my opinion of him too. I don't remember off the top of my head what Spoonie said. That he's been doing this buckwheat style comedy for so long, and nobody has called him out on it. Well, on the same token, look at look at Eddie Murphy. The guy used to be so funny. There, you cannot tell me you cannot watch Forty Eight Hours and then Daddy Daycare and tell me that that's the same actor. Yeah. What the? What happened? Oh man! It's like he went insane for the money. That he just said, "I'm not even going to try and be funny anymore." I mean, yeah, Richard Pryor had a lot of bad movies, but you yeah. never got the feeling he stopped trying to be funny. Yeah. They're all these awful family films. It's not like it's like, okay, Eddie, you know, he's put out this hard comedy, like, back in the day, but it's just terrible, you know. They're all terrible family Disney crap. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. But it's just the fact that... It's it. You get the feeling he's not even trying anymore. You know, t- to quote The Simpsons, they drove a dump truck full, full of money up to my house. I'm not made of steel. You know, it's just amazing when you see these great, talented actors that fall so hard. Uh-huh. And then you, uh, Dane and I last week spoke about this a little bit. Then you've got these great actors that never seem to be able to rise above second billing. Like... Yeah. Uh, do you know who Dean Winters is? Oh, 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 don't get me started on Dean Winters. I'm a huge Dean Winters I man. love Dean Winters. And, you know, the only way people know him, you go, oh, he's mayhem in those commercials, those insurance commercials. Oh, that guy. I Dude, love a, him. I'm a huge Dean Winters fan. Ryan O'Reilly, that one yes. season he was on SVU. Yeah. Dude, Dean Winters is awesome. Like, I, I I remember I I really liked that that Hellraiser sequel that he was in. Six. Too, it was Dean Winters. Well, yeah, and yeah. then he can do comedy too. Look at him when he's on Thirty Rock. He's yeah. absolutely he steals every scene he's in. Yet this is a guy who can't even get second billing in a in a direct to video movie. Yeah. Because just nobody wants. Wants, I mean, maybe there's stuff we don't know. Maybe he's a really difficult actor to work with or something. So we're not trying to say that there's not behind-the-scenes things going on. But I love Dean Winters, yet nobody knows him. Why does I everybody know Seth Rogen, yet Dean Winters is a far more talented actor? Dean Winters is just, he's cool. He's just like this hard-edged kind of, like you would expect him to be in like all these like Vice Squad-style movies, you know, really rough and gritty, dark cop stuff, you know, he's that kind of cool. Um, I, he, I lo- when he was on uh, Rescue Me... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, as, as his brother. brother. Yeah. yeah, he was fantastic on there. I mean, honestly, I I even love the Mayhem commercials, because it's him. It's, it's still him being really cool. And 
ironic and very funny, actually, in a lot of cases. Very, very funny. Especially when he's pretending to be a teenage girl, which is yeah. disturbing on a certain level. Yeah. Shaky, 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 shaky. I got to keep this. And he points to himself, and it's just kind of like, yeah, you know you're like 40-year-old out-of-shape guy, right? <laughs> I mean, he... Yeah. He even had to, at one point, I read an interview saying he did not like doing this movie at all. He did a Lifetime movie with Yasmin Bleeth. Yeah. Because he needed the work. Uh-huh. Because that's how, you know, borderline unemployable he was. And it's like, it's... what's what's wrong with, with the guy? You know, there are these actors, like, again, Dane and I last week were talking about, I'm sure you've seen Vice Squad, right? Vice Squad's one of my top ten favorite movies. How... Was Wings Hauser not nominated for an Oscar as Ramrod? Dude, I love Wings. I love Wings Hauser in anything. Like I'll, I've specifically watched stuff just because Wings Hauser is in it. Wings Hauser in Vice Squad is one of the best villains of the 1980s. As Ramrod, just oh god! I mean, to call that character intimidating is an understatement. And psychotic. Ramrod yeah. is a total psychopath too. He headbutts a cop in it by not using his head, but grabbing onto Season Hubley's head and using that to bash the cop in the head. Well, and then you've also got his son, Cole Hauser. Yeah, yeah. Cole has got that same thing, and I'm not trying to glorify the neo-Nazis, but look at uh, Higher Learning. Cole Hauser, as that ultra-charismatic neo-Nazi leader, steals yeah. every single scene that he is in in Higher Learning. Mm-hmm. He steals I, every single scene in that movie. I do like Cole Hauser. I do. Um, and I was there was part of me that was like really afraid when I watched uh, uh, Noah's review of uh, uh, when I watched Noah's review of Beastmaster Two because of Wings. I was really, really look. I was really, really looking forward to that video because I remember watching that a few times when I was a kid because Showtime would always show it and there'd be nothing else on. So I'm. A few times, unfortunately. So I'm really looking forward to that. But there was part of me that was like, "Oh man, what if he like, what if he like really trashes Wingshauser or something?" I don't know if I can handle that because Wingshauser is one of my favorite actors. Well, do you know what Beastmaster used to be shown on HBO so often back in the '80s. Do you know what HBO used to be called? Hey, Beastmaster's on. Yeah. Because <laughs> seriously, I remember I must have seen that movie a hundred times on HBO. The other one that I remember from that time, I don't know if you've ever seen this, was the pirate movie, that naked gun-style slapstick of the Pirates of Pensense, with uh, the chick from Empty Nest. Um, this is a spoof of Pirates of Pensance, or is yeah, it Pirates of yeah. it's, it's a spoof. It's called The Pirate oh, okay. Movie. I, I haven't seen that. I've seen, yeah, the, the Kevin Klein movie, but... Um, no, it's got uh, Christy McNichol in it, um, and it's a musical too, because it's really bizarre. I must have seen that hundreds of times on HBO as a kid. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Well, which brings oh. me into, I know we've wasted almost a half hour here, but what I actually wanted to talk about tonight is the easy accessibility of movies today kind of taken away some of the conquest of finding this really, really rare stuff. I don't know, because I mean, a lot of the rare stuff is still is still pretty rare, but even still, you have sites, you know, like Cinemageddon, where you can easily find stuff like that on. But doesn't it make you, didn't in the old, in the VHS era, it sort of make you feel better, you, you, you sort of felt more of a sense of 
fulfillment when you had to track down three shady bootleggers to yeah. find the, that fourth generation dub off of a Japanese laser disc, and you finally got to see the uncut version of this movie rather than just going, "Oh yeah, it's on Netflix now." Yeah, yeah, uh, 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 a lot of stuff that I that that's true, but because it's at least though with Netflix, I do think that uh, you could be stumbling through like a different genre on Netflix and still find something that you wouldn't necessarily have been looking for otherwise but you'll find something that looks cool, sounds cool and you still might get it as opposed to uh, some of the websites you go to and find stuff. In that case you're usually there looking for something very specific and it's very easy to find. Um, but I just, I, mean, I, just like, I remember the, the hunt as it was. You know, back yeah. in the day when you had to go to the five different video stores in town to try and hunt down that one rare, unrated copy of, of the movie that the other four stores only had the R-rated version of, you, you kind of had more of a sense of fulfillment and conquest when I finally get to see this movie. Yeah, definitely, I mean, I, I do agree with you that, it, unfortunately, yeah, those those days are those days are sadly not not really in existence anymore. <laughs> Because uh, it just, you know, everything, everybody I talk to, and I, I just mean like, you know, at the comic book store and people I t- talk to in real life, it's like, have you seen this? No, I'll add it to my Netflix queue. It just sort of, I don't know, it, it I know I'm sounding like the curmudgeon old man, and I know people in the comments are constantly accusing me of just bitching about that, it, that things don't work the way that I'm used to anymore, but screw all you people, I am a curmudgeonly old man, Okay. And, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the really really rare stuff, you know, it might not necessarily be on Netflix. So you could you could tell somebody you could tell somebody, hey, you know, maybe you should check you should check this out, but you probably can't find it on Netflix. But even though with, even with that said, it's still probably going to be fairly easy to find online. Yeah, there's only a few things. That um, are, most it, of my want list for stuff that I still can't find are weird TV shows. See Movies now that I was are... just about to say that when it comes to like rare TV shows and stuff like that, I think that that hunt that you've been talking about still exists. When it comes to like because uh, I still haven't gotten like you know I still haven't found a copy of Magruder and Loud. Well, like one of the holy grails on my list is a TV show I'd never heard of when it was on. I can't even find information on it online. The promos I have, I've got a bunch of, I've got the entire series of Max Headroom on tape from the original airings. Nice. And, a, and in every one of those, they promoted some show called Mariah. It was, a, it was about a female prison, and it was about the administrative staff of this woman's prison. Nice. And it was on ABC in 1987. Yeah. And the promos all look really cool. Uh-huh. I can't even find information that this show existed. I recognize some of the guest stars that are in these promos. I can't that's not on their IMDb listings. It's like this show didn't exist after it aired on ABC. All yeah. copies just evaporated. Oh man. Somebody had to have taped Mariah in 1987. It, Somebody it's had to be around somewhere. I mean, just the other day, uh, it's got to be around summer. Just the other day, like I, I found one of my gets. I finally found uh, the pilot movie to a uh, Hawaiian Heat with Robert Ginty. So, do you have the whole series now, or just the movie now? No, just the pilot movie. I mean, at least that's something. I haven't, but I got the pilot movie. What what kind of quality? Pretty good. 
So I'd actually like a copy of that probably from Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah no problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a copy, no problem. You know, but it, it, it does seem like the TV is harder to, to find nowadays, or especially if it was a special. Yeah. If it was a TV special, oh, man, good luck trying to find that. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, those can be those. Those can be a little. Those can be a little rough. I I did just. Uh, uh, speaking of TV, I did just get my wife into uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, gee, only uh, twenty one years late. I know, right? Well, here's how. Here's how I got. Here's how I got her into it. Uh, we've been watching that new show on uh, AMC called The Killing. Oh yeah, and they keep calling it like Twin Peaks for the modern era or something. Well, I wouldn't say, like. It's a really good show. It's like a remake of some uh, Danish series or something. I've, I've never seen the original, but it's a really, really good show. And it's basically kind of if if, if Twin Peaks was not as David Lit- if if David Lit- if Stephen Bochco did Twin Peaks, okay, you know, or it's Twin Peaks but not like really quirky or but but straightforward. And I almost hate to say that because that makes it sound like. Well, if you take the, a lot of the stuff that made Twin Peaks great, you know, that's not really the case at all. Like, it still works as uh, as more of a straightforward cop story, whereas Twin Peaks being very quirky and kind of funny. And so Jillian and I have... They're both very different shows, uh, but Jillian and I have been watching uh, The Killing, and... Uh, I said, if you really like this, honestly, you 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 should watch Twin Peaks again. Like I said, I mean, they're they're both very different shows, but it was really just Style, kind of my right a segue. Yeah, it was it was uh, really just my way of getting her in the Twin Peaks. <laughs> How far has she gotten into it? I mean, has she completed Twin Peaks yet? No, 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 no. This has just only been within the past couple of days. Okay, so I was gonna say, yeah, there's. She's going to be probably really disappointed at some of the plot lines and really happy with them. What I would say, though, is do not show her fire walk with me. <laughs> Just skip that. I, I know maybe I'm not a true Twin Peaks fan, but that movie sucked. Fire walk with me, I need to watch. Honestly, I, I need to sit through it through it again. Last time I saw fire walk with me, I was in high school. Um, and I remember... What do I even remember? I mean, I, I remember it. I remember the movie. But as to whether or not I really liked it all that much, I remember sitting there and being like, well, this is kind of interesting, but it's... It, to me, the problem sort was... Of, I, I wasn't sure why it existed. Um, yeah, to me, the problem with that was Lynch seemed to have gone insane on that one. Mm-hmm. Instead of weird for the sake of moving the story along and setting mood, it was full of weird just because, hey, look, let's be weird. And it was it was a different kind of weird than Twin Peaks. Uh, that was what I really remember taking away from of it. From yeah. it. And I don't remember hating it, but I just remember being like, well, uh, there are a lot of Lynch stuff that is that weird that I do like. Like, I really like Lost Highway. I, I really, really like Lost Highway. But that's not the kind of weird that I want out of something like Twin Peaks. Well, and especially with the fact that it's a prequel, which a lot yeah. of people don't... Re- that, you know, okay, the, the t- I'm not going to say what the cliffhanger ending of the series is, but the series basically ends on a, on a cliffhanger or a whoa moment. Yeah. So rather than follow that up with the movie that came after... It was, 
nah, let's just go back and tell the story of the characters that we already know what happened to. And that was something that I, and that was something that I, I, I really kind of, that really kind of disappointed, that I remember being disappointed by in that movie was that it really only had a few characters in it, and there was just a lot of characters that I missed. I missed having Sherilyn Finn in it, and well, some see, of the other characters, and like, you is... know, it was nice, you know, Donna being there, but it wasn't Lara Flynn Boyle. Well, and, and part of the problem was it was co-financed by a French company. Yeah. His original work print came in at four and a half hours. It had footage shot with all the other characters. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about it. Even, like, uh, uh, the sh- uh, Harry, uh, the sheriff, like, he had scenes shot for it that got deleted. Yeah, but but then it's also full of things that make no sense, they don't attempt to make any sense, and they're in there just to be weird, like David Bowie as the time-traveling FBI agent. Yeah. There's no point for him being in the movie. It doesn't move the story along, doesn't add a clue. It's just there to get a 45-second cameo out of David Bowie, who vanished in the 70s and pops up in 1990, and everyone kind of, hey, that's weird. And I remember walking away from that being like, was that whole thing in there just so, just... Because he wanted to work with David Bowie, I guess. A Cooper to have, like, one scene in the movie? Um, you know, like, uh... Albert doesn't even get any dialogue, and he's the best character in the show. Dude, yeah. Oh, I, I love, love Albert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, he was great. That was another thing that I, I didn't care much for about that movie, was that there was just... And given that it's a prequel, it's like, yeah, I guess I sort of see why this person wouldn't be in the movie very much. But when you have, like, a lot of Twin Peaks without Dale Cooper... It was like I was kind of sitting there, like, man, I really wish Dale Cooper was in more of this. The only thing I really thought was truly original about the movie was uh, I can't remember the name of the town, like Deer Meadow or something. It was the neighboring town to Twin yeah. Peaks that was the exact opposite of Twin Peaks. Yeah, <laughs> it had bad coffee, bad pie. Everyone was rude. The sheriff was corrupt and un- completely unhelpful and whatnot. It was the exact mirror opposite of what Twin Peaks was. I thought, okay, that was sort of a really witty way to to do the neighboring town. And they wasted Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, there was no reason for Kiefer to have been in that movie. Anybody could have played Kiefer's role. Well, wasn't like Chris Isaac just there because that was originally supposed to be Dale Cooper? But Dale Cooper is in the movie. You well, know? I know he is in the movie, but Kyle. I read somewhere where Kyle MacLachlan said he didn't want to be in the movie all that much because he didn't want to be typecast or something like that. No. Well, I mean, Chris Isaac's only in it for 40 minutes. He's only yeah. in the first 40 minutes or so of the movie. Yeah, I, I read somewhere where Kyle MacLachlan requested to have his role like kind of diminished, and I, oh, okay. Th- that, to me, yeah, didn't really work well for the movie. Um, but uh, I... I probably sh- I, I don't know why I would watch it again other than to have like a really kind of fresh opinion about it but even here talking about it I'm going to have these same exact problems when I watch it again um I well, know, we- what I want to see is you have to tell me how Jillian reacts when she sees David Duchovny as a female FBI agent Yeah oh I will I'll, I'll let you know Because yeah. that that's pretty shocking to everybody who's ever seen the X-Files I would have to uh uh I would have to sit there and like kind of wonder, like, because I know a lot of Twin Peaks fans who do really like Fire Walk with me. So I'd, I'd have if Jillian wanted to see that, I'd have to be like, well, a lot of fans hate it, and some really love it. I, I mean, I don't know. Here's the gist of it. If it sounds like you might like it, check it out. But 
again, part of my problem was the fact that it being a prequel, instead of following up on the ending, they spend the entire two and a two of the two and a half hours of the movie showing us events that were already talked about in the TV series. Yeah, which yeah. kind of makes the whole movie pointless. It is a pointless movie. Like I said, I I know fans of Twin Peaks who do really like that movie, but it's something that's. I agree with you on that. I, I do. It, it makes, regardless of, regardless of anything else about the movie, it does, it does render it pointless. <coughs> I mean, we don't really need to see all of this. No, we don't. Yeah. But I uh, know. I mean, I, I love Twin Peaks. For now, people need to realize this is before DVD existed. I think it was 1996. Mm-hmm. Might have been. For my birthday one year, my wife bought me the Twin Peaks Complete Series VHS set. Oh, yeah. For my birthday one year, she bought me that, that the one where, you know, each side of the VHS forms a larger picture. Oh, and it was the motor, it was him on, the, like, there was the road with the motorcycle. No, it it, it, it was like a, a forest, and everyone was uh, falling into uh, chess pieces with their faces on the bottoms. Oh, okay. I don't it was think a, I... It was a big... Uh, 12 tape box set something like that yeah, only- yeah it, i i was was there an i might just be remembering this i don't remember that but was there a box set like that where like the sides made a picture of like just the road and off the distance was uh uh the traffic light face? yeah was what's his face on his motorcycle that was the pilot uh movie vhs release okay, okay. That, that's the cover that, of that that's what I'm remembering. Yeah, because for Twin Peaks fans, if you're getting into it, I know the full pilot is in the complete series DVD set, but for years, the only way you could get the correct version of the pilot was to import it from England. Yeah. Because they weren't sure how the series was going to sell in America, so they made Lynch come up with an ending for the two-hour pilot to sell overseas as a movie. Yeah. And that's the version that was released on VHS. That and it's a totally different killer uh, uh, in that than is in the series too. And that was that was I saw that version of it more so than I saw the the pilot that's on the 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 DVD because I would watch that quite a I would watch that every now and then uh, I would go to the video store and be like I feel like watching Twin Peaks. Uh, eventually, eventually, you know I. Eventually, years later, I got the DVD. But before then, like uh, when I was a kid and would go to the video store, I uh, would would rent because our video store had the VHSs of it. Um, so uh, for the longest time, I had even forgotten that there was another version of the pilot. So even when I'm watching, even when I watched it with Jillian the other day, and it ends like it does. I had to say to her, I was like, "Okay, here's uh, without really giving anything away. Here's." Here's how I mostly remember this. Right. Well, and see, I disagree with a lot of people. Because they they solve Laura Palmer's murder, I want to say, like, the fifth or sixth episode of season two, somewhere around there. And yeah. a lot of people said that the show totally lost direction and just wandered around for another nine or so episodes uh-huh. because it was just directionless. And I disagree with that. I liked the series after Laura Palmer's murder was solved just as just as well me too i did too but a lot of people found it directionless and i will admit some of the plot lines i was a little disappointed didn't go anywhere 
uh-huh. there was the the big big plot line for a while that looked like uh, the owls might have been from space. Yeah. When you had the the colonel's plot line, and then it, and then they gave like a one line explanation about how that oh okay, you can discount that. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> at that point, that's when you started to feel like okay, ABC is getting involved in some of these decisions. Wasn't it ABC anyway who wanted them to reveal who killed Laura Palmer? Yeah, in the first season. Yeah. But you know, you got to remember, season one was only six uh-huh. episodes, so it wasn't a typical TV season. I mean, I think both seasons, the show's only 19 episodes total. The first, the, now, the first season ended with the episode where Dale Cooper gets shot at the end, right? Yes. And uh, that. Uh, that, I, won't, I won't reveal what happened to, happens to Josie Packard, but it's weird, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I thought that's what the cliffhanger was in the first season. And yeah, you're, the first season was like seven, eight episodes, something like that. I, I think then... it was six, seven if you count the pilot, which aired months okay. earlier before the rest of the series. Oh, the, d- oh, did it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I th- that. No, th- this was one of those ones where where they needed the ratings of the pilot to justify shooting new, more episodes. Ah. So like the pilot would air in, say, June, and then the first regular episode would be a September or whatever. Oh, okay. So it was some, something along those lines. I might be wrong on some of that because I know fans are very picky on your site. <laughs> I I didn't know. I didn't. I mean, we're talking. I remember watching it when it was on, but we're going back to 1990, and um, I was 10. I was I 15. I was 15 I was, when that premiered. Yeah. But uh, the thing I don't get is about Twin Peaks is. Everybody seems to think the series was a lot weirder than it was. Just look at whenever The Simpsons would parody Twin Peaks. And oh, you go, Dancing with the Horse? Yeah, and you go, guys, there's never been anything like that in the series. I don't know where you thought that joke was going, but you're <laughs> way off. Well, <laughs> I really like that joke, though. I, I think it's funny, Like, but you're right. I mean, there was. I know what character that's supposed to be on, in that, but... Uh, there was never a scene with anybody dancing in a, with a horse. But, yeah, um, I think that sometimes when some people hear the name David Lynch, they get an idea in their head that everything he does is as weird as a racer head, you know? I don't know how big of a Dune fan you are, but look at the way he screwed up Dune by just Dune. Ad- trying to add weird for the sake of weird. Well, here's my thing with Dune. Dune, uh, I, 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 I've never read the book, so I don't I wouldn't know where to compare and contrast from that, but to me, Dune is just not that entertaining of a movie. Um, I've tried watching Dune. I have watched Dune on a couple of different occasions. Um, I've watched it more than once. I've tried. I've really tried to like that movie because I really like. I really do love David Lynch. I can't do it, man. I mean, it. And I, again, I also love Dino De Laurentiis. Well, can you? We only got about a minute left, but can you imagine if he'd gotten Return of the Jedi? He was (laughs) offered Jedi. (laughs) How different would Jedi have been if David Lynch got that? Oh man, it would have been great. Or it would have been a disastrous train wreck. Yeah, or yeah, it would have been Dune. Dune has certainly gained uh, an audience over time, but I just don't find the movie all that entertaining. I find it kind of boring. Well. I like it, but again, I've never read the books. And even I realize that there are all the massive plot holes and all the things that just do not make sense in the movie. We got to get going. We didn't even get to do the giveaway because we were rambling too long. Oh, right. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do it next week. All right, 1201beyond at gmail.com. My website is 1201beyond.blogspot.com. Brad's is cinemasnob.com. That's me. That's you. And <laughs> I'm saying good night. Say good night, Brad. Good night. Good night.